doing all right? Man, it's good to see you. Happy Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. Jen said that to me this morning in the bathroom. I do it while I go, Palm Sunday? <laughs> it's a thing, man. It's what we do in church. Uh, the church I grew up in, if I remember correctly, and I'm not knocking it, but I think we, we literally had like palms. <laughs> like as a kid, I just loved like waving them around. You know, I'm pretty sure it was sacrilegious what I was doing with that palm leaf. Is it a leaf? What is it? Do palm trees have palm leaves? They're like big, right? <laughs> like, are you the pastor? <laughs> I guess. Well, happy Palm Sunday. Hey, so glad you're here. If we haven't met, my name is Billy, and uh, welcome to church. And here we are in the Hilton Bellevue, and next week is Easter. Can you believe it? Easter Sunday. Remember Easter a year ago? <laughs> Someone crossed himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, uh, that was a unique Easter, sitting on the couch, watching a bunch of Easter cantatas happen. But uh, man, this Sunday, next Sunday, we'll be in person right here. So hope you can join us. Bring a friend. We'll just pack it out. We're doing one service, 10 a.m. Someone's like, will you run like three or four Easter services? I was like, you don't know me. <laughs> yeah. We do one big service. We're going to party and then we're going to brunch. That's what's happening. So I hope you can join us. Uh, there's my lovely wife, Jennifer, just walking in. Love you, babe. Can't believe you chose me. <laughs> Glad that you did. Um, all right. Hey, if you want to get involved, I had some people um, ask, like, how can I get involved? One of the main areas that we'd love for you to get involved is with the kids. So right now, while we're in church, your children, about 50 of them, are being ministered to, and they're in classes, and we could use anyone who wants help. If you, if you don't like to work with kids, <laughs> please, no pressure. <laughs> the worst kind of kids worker is a person who doesn't like kids. So if you don't want to, then we get it. Stay in here, and Jesus will minister to you. <laughs> but if you're like, hey, I got like one Sunday a month where I could just help out with the kids. We got the best team, and we could really use your help if you wanted to. So you can see my wife, Jennifer, or you can go to the Connect bar in the lobby on your way out and just let them know like, hey, I'm interested and we could, we'd love to have you help with the kids. And what ages do we go through right now, babe? It's like 15 months to, to 11 years old. Are those really kids? Man, if you called my daughter a kid at 11, she'd be very offended, but okay. Preteens, they're the preteens. And also, hey, we're starting something new too called CARE. And CARE is kind of, it's a team that's led by Christiana Huffman, who's my other sister, and she's Oh, oh, I call her Huffman. It's Sally. Sorry, bro. Sorry, brother-in-law. My brother-in-law was like, really, bro? We've been married like 10 years. <laughs> she's not a Huffman anymore. We've disowned her. She's a Sally. Um, I'm kidding. I love her. But she's leading the team. And care is like if you need, if you have someone, a family member in the hospital, you need someone to visit them. Or if you had a baby, you need some meals. And it's kind of the community part of, of our church where we just help people out. Maybe you need need someone, you have financial needs and you need help, or maybe you need help moving, or maybe you need help with counseling. Or So CARE kind of just encompasses that. It's a team of people in our community. Maybe you want to be a part of that. You could go to the Connect Bar in the lobby, see my sister, Christiana, Sally, and uh, they would love to kind of just get you connected. That's kind of, you know, when there's prayer needs, someone calls like, hey, so-and-so was in an accident. Boom, we let the CARE team know, and we kind of, people are praying, and it's just our way of, the motto is, how can we help? Because we care. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Doesn't that just feel right? How can we help? Not for any other reason, but then just the fact that we care. And that's what I think the church should be. So if you want to get involved in that, you can do that too. Sound good? 
Man, they give me so many announcements to run through up here before we get to it. Um, if you got a Bible, I'm super, super stoked out of my mind for this morning. This is the last part in a series that we've been doing called Be Strong and Very Courageous. Be Strong and Very Courageous. And so we're going to read in Joshua chapter 1 this morning for what I think is the last part of this series. This is part 6. It's been good. I've, I've been preaching to myself, and I'm, I trust that you've been being encouraged. At the very least, we're getting stronger and more courageous. Man, it got quiet. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, band. Thank you, all of you guys. Johanna, that beard is next level. Can you guys see his beard? You're like a Viking. <laughs> Man. Bro, I wish I could grow a beard like that. That's amazing. Um, hey, also, thank you for many of you who have... Um, been praying for a building, a permanent space for us. Many of you have given towards that. Thank you for that. And um, we're currently now looking at two buildings. We had the one that I kind of brought up last time we were together, and that's still on the table. They're dragging their feet. I just told God, um, Lord, if it's for us, open the door. If it's not, thank you for closing the door. Uh, but we have another one that we've made an offer on as well. So both of them are very sufficient, could hold up to 700 to 1,000 people, classrooms, massive lobbies, because lobbies are a big deal for us, because we like to drink coffee and party. So, um, so thank you. Thank you for your prayers. We'll do our best to keep you up to speed. And we are believing that God will enable us to land in a, when I say permanent, semi-permanent. We're not looking to purchase right now. We're just looking to get in a place that we could lease long term, three years or so, um, so that we could meet every week. Because right now we don't own the Hilton and they've been very gracious, but things are getting dicey. <laughs> you know, it's good. Society's opening back up, but that means they got a lot of things booked. In fact, we were in here this morning with a team of people. I'm so grateful for them at 8 a.m. setting everything up because they had a they had a wedding here last night till like one. So, anyways, that's kind of an update on that. We'll let you know as we're going. It's gonna be good. I'm super encouraged. Thank you for your prayers. If you think about it, just pray for it. So are you in Joshua? All right, Joshua chapter 1. That's all I'm going to read today. It's good, and then we'll, we'll do this, this last part of the series. Be strong and very courageous. All right, I'm reading from the NIV version. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then... You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. Did you catch that? The land I'm about to give them. Man, there is nothing like, the, like God's about to. Have you ever experienced that? Like God's like, I'm about to show up. I'm about to bless you. Like, I love the about to seasons of God. They're exciting. I feel like we as a community are in one of those about to seasons. You know that, right? Like, you know, we've been meeting now. Is it eight months, babe? We've been gathering for eight months in the midst of a pandemic. Here you are. Um, we haven't advertised. I think we just started advertising. And uh, 350 people in a room, we're revolutionaries. <laughs> so I told someone, like, you're a revolutionary. You're at church uh, right now. So thank you for being here. And I believe we are, as a community, we are in one of those seasons where God is about to. So it says, um, God said to him, I am about to give to them, the Israelites, the land I promise. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Say that again like a mantra all week long. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, here it is. This is where we took the title for this series. In fact, I wanted to preach out of this passage 
week one of the series, and now I'm finally just getting to it at the end. So here's what he says. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. That's the third time that he says it. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How great is that, huh? Verse 9, I love it. It's kind of like two parts to it. The first part of verse 9 is be strong and courageous. That's the first part. The second part says don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous, first part. Second part, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. I like to title this talk, last part in the series, King of my glory, prince of my peace. King of my glory, and prince of my peace. Can we pray? God, we thank you that you're here. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that as we come to you, look to you, God, as we turn our eyes to you, Lord, that you're there and you're helping us. I thank you for hope that never ends. Lord, that is our story. That will be our story. I pray for every person in this room, whatever they're facing, whatever valley, shadow they're going through, whether they're in a low point or they're in a high point in life. God, I thank you that your hope never fades, that our hope in you is fadeless because you do not change. And so right now in this moment, would you give us courage and strength? Lord, we won't have a spirit of fear, but we will put our focus on you again, personally, corporately, as followers of Jesus. Lord, we turn our eyes to you. I pray for there's people in church today that just showed up and don't even know what they know about you. Would you speak to them the way you did to me? years and years and years ago? Would you, would you speak to them the way you do to all of us? Lord, we don't have to convince people of you. You're here. And just do what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know that, right? Some people are like, we, gotta, we, gotta, we have to defend Jesus. I don't feel zero need to defend God. God can defend himself all by himself. Um, now, if you want to talk bad about God to my face, I might have a few choice words for you, but... I'm not going to defend God. He's God. Like, he gives me every breath I have. I can't write a check for that breath. Ladies, you can't flirt your next breath into your lungs. No, God gives it to you. So every breath you take, you're like, oh, God just gave me that breath. I don't have to convince you that God is here. He's here. And, that's, and he'll, if he wants to get a hold of people, he'll get a hold of you. I had someone like, how are we going to get the, the message of the gospel? I was like, well, we'll do our part, but make no mistake, God does his part. He's God, by the way. He can reveal himself to anybody at any time. And the Bible tells me he's always been looking for you, always been looking for you. So that just encourages me. Um, I love this passage, and I love the be strong and very courageous. It's interesting to me that it's said three times in this conversation that God has with Joshua, which to me is probably an indicator that when you say be strong and very courageous three times, that you're probably coming into some fearful moments. Right? It's kind of like warning you know, when God feels the need to tell you that three times. He doesn't, he doesn't say to Joshua, I'm going to remove you from these fearful moments. He doesn't say that. And he also doesn't say, I'm going to take these fearful moments and remove them. That's not what scripture says. God acknowledges, okay, we're going to go. And he says, I command you in the midst of it, be strong and very courageous. Essentially saying, don't be afraid because I 
will be with you. We all face fearful moments. I remember one of my early fearful moments at the age of seven was learning to jump from the high dive. I don't know if you've ever jumped from a high dive. You know that they don't think they'll make them anymore, right? Unless you're in the Olympics. It's illegal. We're scared we're going to get hurt. It's like the helmets and all the stuff. <laughs> I wore a helmet when I was a kid. I had seven concussions. I'm still up here talking coherently somewhat, so we're good. I feel like I'm all right. I mean, yeah, I'm a little dizzy, but it's no big deal. <laughs> so uh, I remember jumping up on the high dive, and the whole experience for me was incredibly thrilled. Just the thought of jumping, you know, it's like 15 feet. Just the thought of jumping from the high dive was scary. I had to, like, convince myself for, like, a couple weeks to, to get up there. And then the climb. Remember the climb? If you ever did the high dive, the high diving board? Like, it's, that ladder. it's a ladder. It's not a staircase. It's not like, um, it's not like the kids are used to this, like a ramp with a rail and like water stations in case you get parched on your way up and like little misting, you know, to cool you off. You know, there's no like moving sidewalk kids these days. I'm that guy. Like I used to walk to school uphill in the snow, you know, but no, for me, it was this metal, metal ladder that you climb 15 feet up. You remember that? Like the rungs and you're wet. So when you hit it, like your foot instantly slides and you just destroy your shins. Have you ever done that? Like, if you know, you know. And just climbing the ladder in and of itself is a death wish. Just like, you know, and there's supposed to be like um, that, what is it, that tack tape? Like that's supposed to be, the, but that wore off five years ago. <laughs> you know? So now just going up the ladder is very, very dangerous and painful. And you're like, well, why don't you just replace the tack tape? Because this is a public pool. It's not private. In fact, when I was seven years old, 10 years old, I didn't even know that private pools were a thing. I'm like, people own their own pool? <laughs> you know, like, the whole thing? It's like all theirs? My, the only way I got into a pool was walking through a dirty bathroom with concrete floors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And where they dropped the ice cream bars, then they were melting on the floor, and there's the broken lockers and the rusted spigots, right? <laughs> like, it was a scary place. But that's how you got to the pool. And so I remember just even going up the ladder was dangerous and fearful. And not to mention that you have people in front of you. So picture this. You got like you know, people above you on a wet metal ladder. Like, if that guy falls, he, I'm going down with him. Like, everything's scary. And don't look up. That's a different kind of fear. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a picture you can't erase. Eyes straight ahead. And so, and then when you get to the top, then there's like everyone's, you're at the top, and now you're 15 feet, and everyone's looking at you. And if you don't like, like being the center of attention, then you've got that fear added because people are either just curious because you're at the top of the pool, or there's people that are secretly hoping that you do it wrong and your belly flop, right? Which, speaking of bellies, that was another fear of mine. I was in a bathing suit. Now, for some of you, you're like, what's the big deal? Some of my friends here, they're like, I love being in a bathing suit. I get to show off the goods. For me, um, for as long back as I can recall, I was, how can I say, large and in charge. <laughs> and so, you know, I already have like this kind of fear and insecurity coming out there. Now I'm at the top and it doesn't help that like my parents who are so well-meaning and my family, like they're encouraging me, but they're drawing attention. You know, they're like, you can do it, you know. And, and then you get like these random neighborly types that like join in, encourage you, you don't even know them. And they're like, come on, you got this big fella. <laughs> you know, I'm like, big fella? <laughs> I'm sort of thinking, like, you know, like, when people don't want to acknowledge something, they, like, come up with a nickname for you. Like, you know, that one guy's just like, um, you could do it, Hoss. I'm like, who is Hoss? And why am I now? My favorite one was Big Boy. <laughs> okay. You know, like, oh, my goodness, you're such a big boy. <laughs> like, I get that all the time. My grandmother would be like, you're getting so big. I just want to be like, just call me fat. Let's stop playing the game. 
Like, I could take you. Why don't you just say it to me? You know. So anyways, I'm dealing with all that fear. And then there comes the actual jumping. Now, 15 feet doesn't seem very high, but it looks a lot higher when you're up there than it did when you're on the ground, right? I mean, and a lot can happen in 15 feet when you're falling, right? And so, I mean, there's all these fears that were facing me, and I'll never forget I'm being up there, and I kind of freeze because that's what we do when we get scared sometimes. The natural response in life is when you're afraid or you're in a fearful moment, you just freeze and stop. And my dad, he kept saying to me from the bottom, he kept saying, Billy, don't be afraid. Son, don't be afraid. He just kept saying it to me like, like a broken record, like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. To which I wanted to respond, easy for you to say, Dad, which I wouldn't say because then I'd have something else to be very afraid of. <laughs> you don't talk that way to my father. But I'm thinking like, Dad, it's easy for you to say you're down there. And it was, in fact, easy for my father to say don't be afraid because he had been where I was hundreds of times. Here's the thing. My dad knew what I did not know. He knew that. Was there risk? Yes. Was there a chance of harm? Yes. Especially on that ladder. Was there, was there a fearful moment? Yeah, a little bit, a little fearful moment. But my father knew something I didn't know. And if we stop when things get fearful, we will never go. Now, don't make me get all, and don't make a point now. If we stop when fear's involved, then we will never go. Not sometimes we'll go, no, no. If you stop when fear presents itself to you, you will never go. My dad knew that. And so I said, Billy, don't be afraid. Did you know faith is only for us? It's not for God. Faith is only for us, not for God. God doesn't need faith. Um, the Bible defines faith in Hebrews 11. It says it's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Um, God doesn't hope for anything because God knows everything already. And there is no one seen areas with God because he sees it all. And because of that, God says to us and says to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Okay. Now here's my question. If Joshua says, Joshua, this book of Joshua, if it tells us that first of all, God is sending us, God is with us. Remember he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If God is sending us, God is with us and God has promised us, then why the continued emphasis on the phrase, be strong and very courageous, right? Like if God is with us, God is sending us, which we've just read this in this passage this morning, and God has promised us, then why is there this emphasis still three times scripture, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. I believe it's because there is always a gap between God's promise and the fulfillment of that promise. Always. You, you found this in your own life if you think about it. There is always a gap. How long that gap is, it just depends. But there is always a gap between God's promise, what he said he would do, and the fulfillment of that promise when it actually happens. It's the, uh, the in-betweens. And God is telling Joshua and you and I, be strong and courageous in that gap. Because the, when, when God gives you a promise, when God speaks to you, when he gives you a dream, when he opens your eyes, when you feel the promise of God, like that's, we love those moments. Man, I love that. 
It's so exciting. And then the fulfillment of the promise, when God actually, when it actually happens, when, I mean, those, those, those are the most rewarding moments in life. But it's, it's that in-between space that God is, is referencing when he's telling Joshua, hey, I'm sending you. Hey, I'm with you. Hey, I've made you a promise. But you're going to need to be strong and courageous from the point I made the promise to the point you get to the promise. In fact, if you know the, the, the context of, of what we're the Israelites, God's people, have been wandering in the desert for 40 years at this point. They were in Egypt, and God said, I got a land for you. And so they went out, and it's been 40 years. Now, thank God this is Old Testament, and you might be like, I got 40 years? I don't think so. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> Let's go for the 40 weeks. <laughs> you know, 40 days would be awesome. I don't know how long it'll take. But there's that moment. I'll, let me put it this way. And here's another way to say it. I love to say this. The anointing for where you're going doesn't change where you are. Okay, I'll say it again. Because <laughs> I've been living my life off of this phrase. The anointing for where you're going does not change where you are. So be strong and very courageous. I have one tattoo on my body. I thought of maybe about getting another one. And the only reason I would is because it have to mean something. And some of you are like, wait, do we believe in tattoos? I don't know what you believe, but the Bible says Jesus has a massive one on his thigh. So king of kings. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, he thought it was okay. Anyways, if I got another tattoo, if I did, I think I might do this phrase in a different language because it makes it cooler. But the anointing for where you're going does not change where you are. And I'd probably put barbed wire around it. <laughs> Sorry, on the tattoo. That's why when we read in Joshua, verse 9 is so crucial. Let me read verse 9. That's why because of this gap that we all experience, you're in one right now. And if you're not, you're about to be because if you just hit the promise, well, good for you. I mean, Jen and I had a, had a moment last night. A prayer came, came to fruition. <laughs> Who talks like that? Apparently I do. The prayer came to fruition, which means God answered a prayer. And we kind of celebrated last night. And that was so great. It's the fulfillment of a promise. But now there'll be another promise. There'll be something else God wants to do because he's always doing something. And then there's going to be this, this gap again where we need to be strong and courageous. And so verse 9 becomes super crucial. I'll read it again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is just me, and I don't think this means anything, but I'm, I'm this guy. In the version I'm reading, verse 9 is exactly 30 words. Just go with me for a second. And the do not be discouraged part starts at word number 15. It's in the exact middle. <laughs> I don't think it's anything biblical, but for me it means a lot because I'm thinking like the whole reason God says do not be discouraged is because we are most susceptible to discouragement in the gap in the middle of that promise. That's when it's the most. When God gives you the promise, whoo, courage. We're going to do this. When God fulfills the promise, I told you, right? It's a celebration. It's the in-between. It's that gap where, I mean, the susceptibility to get discouraged is so real. And don't pretend like you haven't been discouraged before because we've all been discouraged. In fact, discouraged that goes unchecked turns into depression. And depression that goes unchecked turns into despair. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to get discouraged. You could be doing well in some areas of your life. 
But there's this one area where you're waiting and you're waiting and discouragement sets in. It always tends to be in the middle thing. So I love that God didn't just tell Joshua, be strong and courageous. Then he throws in this thing. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because they're different. You know what I need courage and strength for? Not just to fight fear, but discouragement. It's different. I mean, I don't think discouragement is the opposite of courage, but the word courage is in there, so there's some kind of correlation. It's amazing to me. Sometimes fear doesn't stop us. Just discouragement stops us. You might not be afraid to go out. You're just so discouraged you can't get out of bed. It's not that you're fearful. Just like I'm just kind of, I mean, this is real, right? How do we, I love that scripture puts this in the midst of this. Like, yeah, yeah, and all of your courage and all of your going out and I'm going to give you the promise and you're going to take it. And Joshua's about to go do great things. The Bible says, don't get discouraged. Because here's the thing, because now you can see the dream. You have a glimpse of what is coming to you. Yet you wake up to what still is. It's almost, sometimes I feel like it'd almost be better, God, if you didn't tell me the promise. Because now I know. It's like, God, I've, I've seen it. Like, you gave me a glimpse. I see what you're going to do. Like, you've shown me a little bit of the promise, and I'm going for it, and I, I'm trying to get there, but I'm still here. And to be honest, like, I'm grateful for the promise, but I'm kind of discouraged over the process. Isn't that the case? Like, I love the promises of God. It's the process of God is just killing me right now. Maybe you can relate. It's that process. It's, it's just, I see it. I know it's there. I know you told me I could have it. It's like, it's like with our kids. Like when our kids were young, I wouldn't tell them that we were going sledding, you know, two days before we go sledding because all it's going to be is misery for two days. We were going sledding. You said we were going sledding. I just want to go sledding. Like, we're like that with God. You told me you give me a wife. You told me you give me a husband. You know, like, you told me I get a better job. Like, I'm so, you understand, like, why God doesn't sometimes tell us because <laughs> we can't handle it. Like, it was so bad with my kids. Like, I wouldn't even tell them that we're having dessert for dinner, you know, because they can't even eat the dinner now. They're like, I don't want dinner. I want dessert. <laughs> like, which is true. Have you ever thought that maybe God sometimes isn't answering your prayer and isn't telling you what you want, that that actually is a blessing? Could it be that God not giving us what we want right now is actually a blessing from God? Because a blessing given too soon is not a blessing at all. A blessing that is given too soon is not even a blessing. I'll put it another way. The right thing at the wrong time, the wrong thing. You know that, right? You can, it can be too soon. And yet with God, we're in, the, we're in the gap. We're getting discouraged. God, you told me. He did tell you. But this is where the faith comes. This is where the impetus from heaven, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. And do not be discouraged. Because there's going to be this, this space right here. And we're like, God, I'm ready now. And God's like, you think you're ready now but you're not ready now. A blessing too soon is not a blessing at all. Um, I've given all my kids, I've had the privilege of giving all my kids, now my daughter's almost 17, I've given them all keys to the car. Um, I did not give them the keys to the car when they were 10. Because that'd be a blessing, but it would not be a blessing, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. It would be too soon. It would be too soon to do that. In fact, I would be a bad dad 
to give my kids a good thing too soon. You could almost say part of my goodness as a father is shown by me saying, not yet. Not yet. And you've probably heard that from heaven or you felt that. You're like, God, when? And he's not yet. It's not like God saying not yet because he's, he's mean. Not yet. I'm busy. That's not God. It's not his personality. But we, sometimes we put that on him. I have other things to do. There's other countries. People are dying. You know, like God is not stressed. God is not overworked. He is never overwhelmed. There is no panic button in heaven. So when God says not yet, it's not because he's like, I'll get to it when I get to it. No, 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 no. It's not yet because you're not ready. It'd be too soon. And you're welcome, by the way. I'm blessing you because I'm God. Because a blessing given too soon is not a blessing at all. Right? So God exhorts Joshua, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Actually believe and trust that my timing is my timing. You've, heard it, you've probably heard this said before if you've been in church before, but God is not preparing the blessing for you. He is preparing you for the blessing. Did you know that? It's not like God's like, okay, i got to work this out for him. Okay, they need this much money by this much time. Okay, I'm going to move this. I'm going to move this. He already moved everything. It's already done. He's preparing you for what he has for you. That's what's happening. God is preparing me for the blessing he's already done. The thing is, the blessing's done. I'm not. I have, and I don't know what it is that I need to go through or what I need to understand, but it's like a child who's 10 years old. is like, you're not ready to drive. Why? Because you can't even see over the steering wheel, son. That's why. You don't know that. You think you know everything because you're 10. <laughs> How often is God in heaven like, you think you know everything because you're a human. You know, like, we don't know. God's like, not yet. And you're welcome because I'm not preparing a blessing for you. I am preparing you for the blessing. Okay, I want to come back to Joshua, but let me, let's go to another place. Go to Psalms 40. Psalms 40, chapter, chapter 1. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. This essentially this essentially kind of breaks down exactly what we're talking about. And I love this. So this is the psalmist, believed to be David. Psalms 40. It's a great psalm. It says this, I waited and waited and waited some more. <laughs> oh, man. Do you relate with it already? Like, are you like, thank God I'm not the only one. Okay, let's read it again because it's therapeutic for me. I waited and waited and waited some more patiently, knowing God would come through for me. Then at last... He bent down and listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess that I had fallen into. And now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place and steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. Okay, I love this. The, the actual Hebrew translation for that, that phrase, I waited and waited and waited some more patiently. The actual Hebrew, which is what Psalms would have been written in originally, it literally means this. In waiting, I waited. In waiting, I waited. It's kind of like the posture. So like, okay, you're waiting. You are waiting. We are, we're waiting. You're waiting for the promise. You're waiting for the thing that God showed you in your heart that he was going to do. And, it, and it's saying in Psalms right here, in that waiting, I waited. Not I, not I worried. I stressed. I got discouraged. No, no, no. I waited. I trusted God. I put my, my peace in God. I found refuge in God. In waiting, I waited. There's two things about Psalm 40 that stick out to me. First of all, 
first thing I see when I read this passage is that God's promise for you is great. It's great. Here's how I got it. Because he says, I knew that God would come through. I knew he would come through. Come through with what? With what he told me he was going to do. I knew God would come through. God has a great promise and a plan for your life. Do you believe that? He, you know what he is? One of his names is King of Glory. You're like, my glory? All glory. Now in church sometimes we're like, no, no, I don't have any glory. All glory to him. But we got some glory. <laughs> okay, let me just help you the- theologically real quick. Right? You're like, no, 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 glory, all glory to him. No, no, he doesn't need you to give all glory to him because he's the king of all glory already. It's already his. We're not giving him anything. It's his in the first place. But make no mistake, we have glorious moments. When my wife 25 years ago said, yes, I'll marry you, that was a glorious moment, right? Uh, when your children were born, initially glorious. <laughs> I'm joking. Always glorious. Always glorious. <laughs> they get to be five. Like, mm. Uh, no, we love them, right? No, we have glorious moments. When you did that thing, that gift that God gave you and you used it and it was recognized and you felt it in the air in your lungs when Jay's up here singing and Vic's up here singing and people are playing and you're out there doing your thing or you're in a business deal and God's gifted you in the art of business and you close it, like glorious moments. That's okay. He's the king of glory. He's the king of glory. Your glory will never outmatch his glory, but the glory that you experience, God is the king of that. He wants us to have glorious moments. Like, I don't know about this. Second Corinthians says it in 3.18 that God takes us from glory to glory. That's how God operates in life. I got, I'm going to take you from glory, gap, don't get discouraged now, to glory, gap, uh, don't, get, don't get discouraged, to glory. He's the king of glory. God has a great plan for our lives. God has a great plan for this community. I was meeting with a, with a great group of men just this last Tuesday in a Bible study, and we had this thought about living for something bigger than ourselves. You want to live gloriously? Live for something bigger than you. Bigger than your worries. Bigger than your successes. Bigger than your dreams. Live for something bigger than that. That, that is living at its finest. And it's actually the life that God called us. Live for something bigger than you. A mentor of mine years ago, Pastor Wendell Smith, he made this statement and it has stuck with me for 20 something years. He said, you should attempt something so great for God, he'd be embarrassed not to show up on your behalf. <laughs> like you should just get out there and God's like, whoa, are you? Oh, myself, I have to, I got to help this. I got to help her out. She's crazy, but I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> like, you're just like, God, I'm out here. I'm not saying tempt God, but you should go so big. Live for something bigger than your problems. You want to know the remedy to discouragement, in fact? Live for something bigger. Live for other people. If you're discouraged, encourage someone else. Oh, I can't even. But if you did, you'd, you'd be amazed. I can't tell you how many coffees I've sat down to and going into the coffee, I'm discouraged in one area of my life. And I sit down from a friend, we'd start talking, I start encouraging them, they're and I'm encouraging them and they're being encouraged. And all of a sudden I walk away like, man, I'm, I feel encouraged. <laughs> it's because that's one, live for something bigger than yourself. You're like, well, it's never been done what I'm trying to do. Go for the glory. And you're like, my glory? It's all God's glory. As long as we're following God. As long as we're recognizing that the reason we get to do what we're doing is because God's glory. My wife is a brilliant businesswoman. If she's like, yo, man, that's what I learned on the streets. Well, that's, she's just lost. The, but if she's like, no, God gave me a gift. God gave me a gift to do this. All glory to God. But I mean, it's glorious to watch, in fact, because he's the king 
of glory. He says it's never been done. If it's never been done, maybe that's because God intends for you to do it. I've never seen it done. Well, maybe that's what God has you here for. You do it. I love this, and I don't know how I'll, you know, I remember old pastors used to say, like, when someone has an idea, like, we should do this at the church. He'd be like, you do it. And he kind of did it with an attitude, like, you do it. You know, I'm, t- I'm tired. But I love the idea of, like, if God gives you a, if God presents a problem to you, he also presents a solution to you. You do it. Um, I just live my life. Do you, I don't know if you know the culture of our community on a Sunday church, but we have, a, we have a motto that all the volunteers would know and all the team would know. Nothing sinks the ship. Nothing. We're going to do what we can do, and we'll come up with our solution. But at the end of the day, God's in control. So if there's a problem, we're like, okay, we'll, we'll just, I'm not looking for someone else. No one's coming. No one else is coming. It's us. Okay, there's no one going to fix this problem. So we have God. So we're just like, we'll do what we do, and we'll trust God. I mean, if everything goes out, I still talk like this. <laughs> if the lights go out, pull out your phones. <laughs> like, we can do this. If the children workers don't show up, we're dead. <laughs> I'm, j- I'm joking. Figure something out. Jen will figure something out. My wife's got it. Um, <laughs> no, 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 man. Live for something bigger than yourself. Oh, I, I believe they will write about what we do in these days. Not just in this community, certainly, but like what we choose to do in these days. Do you realize I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of negative things that have come about in the last year or two, and I'm not even going to listen, but do you realize that the playing field is now level? Like, what was it you were thinking about doing? Playing field's level. Do it. Go for the glory. To God be the glory. The psalmist says, I knew, I knew that you would come through for me. And then the second thing I learned in this passage is he is also my prince of peace. Because he says in verse 2, he uses these words. He's like, you stooped down to where I was. You lifted me out of the mud. You put me in a what place? Secure place. Safe place. My feet were firm. You placed me on an ascending path. Not just any path. Certainly not a descending path. But God puts you on a path. His path is always on its way up, which tells me I'm not going under. I'm simply on my way up. He's the prince of peace because you're going to need peace in those gap moments and those in-between moments. Oh yeah, we're going to have some glorious moments. We've had a few as a community. We're going to have more. You're going to have them individually, but then you're going to need the prince of peace. So you got the king of glory, like let's go, but you need the prince of peace in those moments where it's like, I just, I'm just waiting and waiting and now I'm kind of getting discouraged. And I was so encouraged 24 hours ago. Are you like me? Maybe I'm just super fickle. Like, I could be on cloud nine. Just like, I mean, if you get around me, you're like, let's take over the world and catch me 24 hours. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I am so done. It's been so long. (laughs) What? Hasn't even been a day, man. You don't understand. I don't understand. We need the Prince of Peace. We need him to put our feet in a secure place. In the midst of the mess, he is my assurance and he's my hope. When I can't see and I'm confused and I've made a mess of things, it's in the in-between moments of life, the valleys and the pits and the shadows where he is, he's my peace, king of my glory, prince of my peace.
Which brings me back now to Judges. And I want to close with the beginning verses we read. Judges chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it. I want to close with what we began with. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, into the land that I promised them. Actually, in Scripture, it's called the promised land. The, the message version says it this way. Moses is dead. Now get going. Man, I can stay here for a second. Moses is dead. That's sad. It's meant to be sad because life has sad moments. People are like, oh, it's so sad that Moses is dead. And here's what happens. If you allow the death of a thing to keep you sad and keep you where you are, then that's where you will be always. So God's instruction to his people, Moses is dead. Pause. Mo was a good guy, man. He got us out of Egypt. He's been leading us for 40-something years. What do we do now, God? Oh, get going. How could we? Because it wasn't Moses that was with you. It was me that was with you. I don't know why that hit me so hard. Dear Lord, compose yourself, Billy. <laughs> when I lost my father, I thought I lost everything. Confidant, mentor, good man. Too young, 53, too young. Cancer killed him. But it wasn't my dad that was with me. It was God that was with me the whole time. It took me a bit to find that out. Moses is dead. And a lot of times we just want to be like, it died. The, the, the dream, the, the person, the goal, the job, the relationship. And there's death in life and things end and sometimes painfully. And there is a time to mourn. And there is a time to get going. And what God was saying to Joshua is like, Moses is dead. And if you go back to the, to the verse right before it in the book of Deuteronomy right before it, like they, Moses was buried. There was a whole to-do. It's, it's the, the, time to mourn. I'm not saying like, I don't, I, don't, I don't acknowledge pain. No, I just keep going. Well, you're, man, you're going to explode. You're, you're going to break down really, really hard one day. And I, I know because I've done it. So just go ahead and cry it out right now. Take a moment. There's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to look back and be like, I can't believe. Go ahead. God is with you. Pour out your, cry, your cries and your complaints to the Lord. He can handle it. But then... It's time to get going. This is what Joshua, this is what God says to Joshua. Moses is dead. Now, get going. Just because something has ended doesn't mean we are at an end. Just because something has ended, it doesn't mean we're at an end. Sometimes a thing must end before a new thing can begin. Are you, are you facing a death? Have you lost something? Did it not work out the way you had planned? Sometimes a thing has to end before a new thing can begin. I, I grew up in a great family. 
had a great family life. Uh, brothers and sisters and mom and dad, I'm blessed. I'm blessed by that. I know that. Like my, my upbringing, living in my home was a dream. My friends wanted to live in my home. They wanted my parents to be their parents. Like I had, I was so blessed. That had to end so that I could start my own family and life with that woman. I, that, I could not do that new thing until that old thing ended. You know that, right? I mean, that's the truth with our kids. And my kids, when they were infants, like, I loved them and I treated them. But like when they became teenagers, the way I related with my kids, it had to end so that I could do a new thing. And a lot of times the problems mom and dad were having with our kids is that we didn't, we're not, we didn't end the way we used to relate to them as little babies. And now they're 17 you're treating them like a little baby and they want nothing to do with you. It has to end so you can begin a new thing. Like you can apply this in life. Like I lost my job. Okay. I'm unemployed. All right, take a moment. Now what? Oh, now I have a new thing. Maybe the job has to end so the career can begin. Maybe that has to happen. Maybe that has to happen. Sometimes the thing has to die so that it can be new life. Moses had to die. He had to die. In fact, the Israel. The Israelites and Joshua, they were not going to get into the promise while Moses was alive. Deuteronomy, the very chapter right before Joshua 1, God takes Moses to a mountain and he shows him the promised land. Now, God's promise to Moses, like, you will see the promised land. That's what God promised him. And God always fulfills his promise, always. And he says this to Joshua. You can read it in Deuteronomy. It's the last chapter of Deuteronomy. He says, you will see it, but you will not go in it. You'll see it, but you won't go in. So for Joshua and the people of God to go into the promise of God, Moses had to die. Moses is dead. Now, get going. In Joshua 1.9, I'll read it again. Because this is, this is how God ended this whole thought with Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you? It is one thing for me as a pastor to be like, hey, you can do this. I hope that encourages you. It's another thing for a close friend to be like, I believe in you. I hope that inspires you because they know you and they see the grace in your life. But when God, I'm talking about God, whether, you, whether what you believe about God and what I believe about God measure up, God is still God. Like he's not looking for us to validate him. I started out this, this talk this morning saying, I'm not trying to defend God. God is God. Proof is in the pudding. He's God. When God says, have I not commanded you? It's not a question to be answered. It's rhetorical. He's making a statement. Did, did you just hear like, I, God, told you this is what I have for you. Have I not commanded you? Now be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, wherever you go. That is true for them, and that is true for you and me today. I hope that you can hear that this morning. That is true for us. God is with us wherever we go. There's this verse in Scripture, Psalms 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you read that, the literature says, like, do what you want, God will bless it. And, 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 it's, and it's meaning, like, if your heart and desire is with God, if you're following Jesus, if your eyes are on Jesus, just God is with you wherever you go, wherever you go. 
See, that's why it's, you can, go, you can go to the left, you can go to the right, as long as you're following God. In fact, if you're following God, you're not going to the left or right, you're following him. But wherever you, if I'm with Jesus, it's like, God will bless it, God will bless it. Remember Abraham and Lot in the Old Testament, and now I'm going way back. He said to Abraham, he's like, go left, go right, whichever way you go, I got you, I'll bless you. Because I'm with you, I'm with you. God will go with you wherever you go. Where are you going on Monday? Going into this job, I hate it. God's with you. God's with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't get discouraged. Do not get discouraged because God is with you. God will bless you. God will help you. You're like, he's not answering my prayer. Or is he actually answering your prayer? <laughs> he's not doing it the way I want to. He never does it the way we want to. That's why he's God and we're not. Don't get discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Put your eyes on Jesus again. He's with us. He's got a great plan for you. Why? because he's king of my glory. And he will comfort me and go with me through it all. Why? Because he's prince of my peace. He is the king of my glory. And he is the prince of my peace. <laughs> God, I pray right now that we would just sense you. I feel you so much. Lord, I pray for people that are in this room right now that need to be reminded that you have glorious moments still in front of them. This is not the end. Yes, things die, but they have to die so that a new thing can begin. Thank you, God, that you are king of our glory. There are, there are so many glorious moments for this community, for the individuals in this community. Help us to be strong and courageous. And I thank you, Lord, to remind us again that you are the prince of our peace. That in these valleys and in these moments and these gaps of time where in our waiting we wait, I thank you that you are our peace in those moments. That we don't have to lose ourselves. That we don't have to give way to discouragement and frustration which turns to depression and despair. But Jesus, that we see you in it. You give us peace in the midst of it. Thank you, God. Thank you that with you we are very strong. We are very courageous. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just asked you if you're in here this morning on this last Sunday of March 2021. If you don't know God as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray with you. And simply, it's just simply you acknowledging that you need Jesus. And the Bible says whoever calls on him will be saved. I'm going to count to three. And with every eye closed, if you're in here and you want to put your faith in Jesus, when I get to three, would you just put your hand up and then put it right back down? That way I'll know I'm praying for you. It's between you and God. That's why we close our eyes. Not, not, not trying to embarrass anyone or put anyone on the spot. Jesus loves you. Jesus has a great plan for you. I just recommend right now putting your trust in him. It is the best decision you will ever make. And if you say, I'm not ready, that's okay, because he'll always be there. He's always with you. He's always following and watching you. He cares for you and loves you even before we love him. So I'm gonna count to three. If you're in here and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm gonna put my faith in this God. I would be honored. One, two, three, wherever you are. Thank you. Put it up, put it down. Got you. Just pop it up and pop it right down. Anyone else? Thank you so much. I got you. I see you. All right. I see you and heaven sees you. So God, you know our stories. You know you know what we've come through. You know the wrongs we've committed. Lord, we ask right now that you would 
forgive us of our sins. And we make you Lord of our lives. From this moment forward, we choose to follow you and put our trust in you. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for your peace. And thank you for being with us in the process of it all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.